When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to this week's excerpt from the Dear Prudence podcast. To get the full-length members-only version every week, join Slate Plus at slate.com slash prudipod. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to the Dear Prudence show once again. And as always, I'm your host, Dear Prudence, also known as Daniel Mallory Ortberg. With me in the studio this week is my guest, Kim Brinkerhoff, a lifelong Bay Area resident working on her master's degree in nursing. She does sexual assault advocacy in her free time, thinks everyone needs therapy, and once bought a bike trailer specifically for her mini Australian shepherd, Dickens. Kim, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm so excited to have a lifelong Bay Area resident. Um, How's that going? Great. Um, I actually went to school down in San Diego and then immediately came right back here because I love the Bay. Well, Mm. I also uh, had a brief sojourn in Southern California Mm. for college and then have been back in the Bay for the most part. Um, And I share your devotion to it. Mm -hmm. I would never want to leave. Yeah, hopefully I don't ever have to. It was cool to find out that you record the show here. Yeah, it's always with the caveat, right, if you live in the Bay Area, of like, I hope I never have to leave. Yeah. But if prices of homes continue to be like this, then Mm -hmm. I will. At least you have a bike trailer so that you can get on the road easily. A dog-specific bike trailer. Okay, well, yeah, then maybe you'll need another trailer for your own thing. Yes. But (laughs) at least you've got that. Um, I feel like we had a lot of really all over the map questions this week. Yeah. But one theme that really stood out to me was we had like four or five letters in a row from somebody who had questions about um, giving money specifically to their nieces and not their nephews. All from the same person? No, from different people oh. in very different situations. But it all boiled down to I have a couple of nephews and one niece or a couple of nephews and two nieces. And the nephews are just jerks like they are bad people they make bad decisions they are cruel they are selfish they have been in and out of jail uh and you know it is at this point just throwing bad money after good to try to help them out and then i have like one great niece who's trying to go to college and i want to help her out but you know her parents are demanding that i also pay for her brother's like dirt bikes or whatever well, it's unfortunate. So many people are dealing with delinquent nephews yeah. all at the same time. I, I had not thought about it previously, but it, it it seems like it's a really big issue right now is like great nieces and just terrible nephews. Well, I guess that's a message to anyone who is heading down the path of being a terrible nephew. Yeah, seriously. Watch yourself. Compare yourself to your sister. Follow her example. And <laughs> um, hopefully the one that I did pick will be useful enough to all the other uh, aunts and uncles in similar situations that they can take something away from it. 
We'll see. We will. So our first letter has nothing to do with nieces or nephews and everything to do with what does it mean to pay attention to your instincts? What's the difference between being overprotective versus just being aware? Um, how to parent in a way that does not send you into a panic attack. So the subject line is closed door during therapy. Dear Prudence, my son is four years old and has been seeing a new speech therapist since May. On our first visit, she let my son decide if I'd go with him into the room or stay in the adjacent room that shares a large window. There's a small crack between the wall and the window, and I can easily hear them during the 30-minute appointment, so at first it didn't bother me. Since our last appointment, I have had this anxiety that something seedy is going on. I tied his pants in a bow, and the last time he came back out, his pants were only tied once. But then again, he's an active four-year-old, and they might have been untied. I had a panic attack driving him home after that. She also asks the kids, there's another little boy who leaves before us, for a kiss, and it just seems to be overstepping a boundary. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm sending my baby to slaughter if I let him go again. But then I also feel like I'm overreacting. It was really hard finding a speech therapist in the first place, and he's making great strides. But he's starting preschool again in August, and we'll continue seeing another speech therapist there. Please help. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot of emotion in this letter. There is. It, very strong language, sending my baby to slaughter. That sounds a little terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's you know, having a panic attack in your car, mm-hmm. feeling like you're sending your kid away to be killed. That's, that's a lot to be feeling. Um, And I think the letter writer seems to be aware that at least so far um, they haven't actually seen anything that merits that kind of a response. But I also get that, you know, it sounds like if they've been having a lot of trouble finding a speech therapist for their kid, my guess is they've been doing a lot of hard work trying to advocate for their son for the last couple of months or years. And they might just be feeling some residual sense of like, is my kid okay? Can I trust the people I leave my kid with? Are other people going to look out for my kid the way that I do? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of curious about the small crack between the wall and the window. And I'm wondering if you can hear them really easily, if you have ever heard anything that backs up the sense of intuition you have that something is going a little wrong. And if that's the case, then I say, of course, always trust your intuition. And, you know, especially if your kid is starting preschool and what's a few weeks and they're going to have access to another speech therapist, you know, giving them a little break probably wouldn't be harmful. Yeah, I I think my guess is, you know, based on the fact that like the speech therapist has said, do you, you know, let the kid decide if you come in or not. You sit in the next room like, you know, you're clearly here. I think if this parent had heard anything untoward, they would have included that detail. Mm -hmm. So I think part of why the the intensity is is so overwhelming right now is the sense of like, no, I don't have I don't really have, you know, my kid's not acting strangely. They don't seem to be afraid of this speech therapist. There's nothing big that's happened. There's just been one or two little things that seem innocuous, but that have activated the danger alarm in the back of my brain. So I would say, you know, number one, it sounds like your kid is fine. Mm -hmm. I I think that that's probably uh, the most important thing to bear in mind here. That said, if it would make you feel comfortable to sit in on the next session, of course you can do that. Just ask if you can sit in. Um, That's totally, totally okay. Um, That might help make you feel a sense of relief. Um, It's only half an hour. Like, it's not like you'd be giving up a big chunk of your day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can also say, you know, if you would rather the speech therapist not ask for a kiss, that's totally fine. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, a speech therapist is not like a nanny who is spending, 
days on end with your kid and has more of a family-like relationship, like, you can absolutely say, hey, would you mind uh, not kissing the kids? End of sentence, right? Like, that's fine. Yeah, that's also a great opportunity for you to maybe explore boundaries with your kid. Like, four years old is definitely old enough for him to articulate how he feels about it. So you could ask him, how do you feel about, you know, kissing someone who's a relative stranger and then ensuring that he knows that it's always appropriate for him to say, I don't want to hug this person. I don't want to kiss this person so that he knows he has the right to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, depending on how your speech therapist responds to that, um, you know, that will help you figure out. uh, Again, that does not mean if if the speech therapist gets a little defensive or something that it means that she's trying to hurt your kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those would be reasonable requests, right? Like asking to sit in on the session once and or saying, hey, do you mind not kissing the kids? I just I don't want you to. Um, those are really like reasonable limits to set. And if the speech therapist pushes back or tries to make you feel uncomfortable, that's plenty of reason to find a different one um, without saying there must be something really seedy going on. I think It'll be a tricky balance between letting yourself say those things and not going to that mental place of I am doing a child molester test right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Because that's that's the fear here. Right. I I, I think probably just, you know, your kid's pants came untied and the speech therapist helped him retie it. Uh, It it sure seems like that is what's going on is 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 not child molestation. But that's what you're afraid of. That's why you're panicking. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's hard to think rationally when that question pops up in your head about your kid. And and the writer does seem very concerned about thinking rationally. But I think it's always fair to remember that when it comes to medical professionals, to therapists, you not being comfortable is a fair reason to stop seeing someone. So if they don't respond well to your request not to kiss your son or they just give you a bad vibe, that's okay. Yeah. And then I think if you find that those things don't help. Like, if you're still kind of obsessively thinking about this, if you spend some time in there and you're like, okay, that went fine, it seemed fine, but what if? Um, And you can't let those thoughts go, especially with your son about to start preschool again. um, If those thoughts don't go away and you sort of, like, mentally treat everyone like a potential child molester, like, then it might be helpful to, you know, go see a therapist Mm -hmm. and say, like, hey, you know, my kid's been having a tough time lately and I see danger everywhere and it's affecting my ability to function. Can you help? Um, because I, I, I do think um, the the biggest issue here is how do I deal with this obsessive fear mm-hmm. more than I've got a speech therapist who's doing some really inappropriate stuff. Like, I think the kiss thing is relatively small. I think it's fine to not like it. My guess is it's not, you know, they're four-year-old kids. That's like fairly innocuous. But again, you're totally within your rights to ask for her to not do that. And it definitely could be helpful to have some outside help in dealing with that fear because I'm sure the writer knows as the parent of a four-year-old boy, he's not exactly going to stop getting scrapes and bumps and all manner of things. So if if you find that you're getting very worried about a variety of things, that this is something that's starting to expand into other activities in your life, could really be worth talking to somebody about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think this is going to help. Like, I think just... Letting yourself write this letter, I hope, helped a little bit. Um, Reality testing certain thoughts or questions are going to help and that ultimately this will subside and you will feel less like there are abusers and molesters lurking um, at every corner. Um, and, And it will just help you to talk about this. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Would you read our next letter? I will. Dear Prudence, I have a coworker who has been a thorn in everyone's side in my small office for many years. She is unreliable in every way. She calls in sick when she knows we've asked an extra staff member to come to catch up on things, so we avoid her finding things like that out, ignores our protocols for requesting time off, and over the years has become so overwhelmed by her workload that she barely has a job description anymore. We've even found out that she's been manipulating her employee file to mask how much she doesn't show up. It is very frustrating to work with her, and management has been very slow to act. After her last bout of not showing up to work, she was told she needed to speak to the employee assistance program and then was sent to rehab for alcoholism. My question is this. All of my other coworkers are deeply embittered based on a decade of this behavior from her. They frequently make comments about how sure they are that rehab won't help, and she'll come back and immediately make our lives miserable again. I'm having a hard time figuring out how to acknowledge the real distress she has caused and trying to leave space for the possibility of change. I know people have been dealing with this for a long time with no movement, so should I just accept that they are probably right and she probably won't change, or should I try to encourage others to give her another chance? Man, a decade. That's a long time for a lot of things. There's, you know, I think the thing that everybody deals with in work, which is someone who doesn't always want to come in all the time. And then there's things like manipulating your employee file. Yeah. Um, And the, the, the longer I have had this particular job, the more I just feel a great deal of sympathy for anyone who works in a small office. Because it sounds like everyone who works in a small office has like one or two incredibly reliable, dependable competent employees um one or two kind of tricky folks and one or two absolute nightmares um who just make every day a torment yeah going into the workforce it was unpleasant to find out that the group project mentality doesn't really go away it really doesn't yeah (laughs) actually if anyone works in a small office and has a great experience please uh, write and let us know how you're doing i would love to hear from you um so I, I kind of appreciated that the question here was not how do I deal with this incredibly difficult coworker? Because frankly, after a decade, it sounds like everyone has sort of adapted around her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sort of question of how do I not add to my already like overburdened workload by also dealing now with all my coworkers who are sort of like picking up where she left off in terms of like making there be a workplace problem where it's like, I kind of don't want to waste all the time we have where she's not in the office speculating about what she may or may not be like when she comes back. Absolutely. I think your best course of action is to acknowledge the very real distress, as you say, that she has caused 
and then go with positivity because I don't think there's any situation in which it's more helpful to dwell on the negative negativity and think of everything that could possibly go wrong. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think there's going to be a limit to how much you're going to be able to convince anyone else that they should give her another chance. Um, but there is a reasonable question that you can ask them, which is to not involve you in these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just to say, um, I'm glad she's getting the help. I hope that it makes a difference in terms of what we're dealing with at work. In the meantime, I don't want to waste this time speculating about whether or not she's going to be different when she comes back. Can we talk about something else? Mm-hmm. And if you are finding that your office is just too small to avoid it entirely, there's always good old fashioned changing the topic yourself. Yep. Or headphones or even just like, hey, guys, you know how I feel about this. I don't want to be a part Mm -hmm. of this conversation. I'm going to, you know, work on another project, put my headphones back on, take a walk and come back, whatever thing you need to do to sort of set the limit of I am now exiting this conversation, even though there's a limit to how far I can walk across the office. Right. Like, um. And it's worth pointing out, you know, depending on what they're saying, like if she has been sent to rehab, if she has been like at work afforded reasonable accommodation for what um, legally speaking is classed as a disability, like if someone's sent to rehab and their work is paying for it, you know, it it is just wise to lay off speculating about that sort of condition. Um, I'm not saying that anyone's like violating um, ADA just yet but you could be getting close that's a great point and that would not be good for anyone i think mm-hmm. um, but yeah i don't know i really don't know i don't know if sending her off to rehab for alcoholism was just the company's way of sort of saying what if we say it's this thing and that way we don't have to deal with firing this person i don't know if maybe her absenteeism has been totally influenced by her alcoholism and this is the help that she needs you and your coworkers don't know that either. At the very least, I feel like you guys should enjoy the time you have without her, right? Like, yeah. It sounds like the letter writer is spending a reasonable amount of time worrying about what could or could not happen. And the fact is, you don't know until she gets back. So until that happens, try to focus on other things. Yeah. And that's part of the problem, right, with a deeply dysfunctional small office. Because if she's been there for a decade and this has been this big a problem, the problem's not just her. The problem is also... Um, you know, the management that's let this go on, the coworkers who have picked up her slack um, and, you know, not made other choices. Like it's every everybody, again, like has kind of grown badly around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is not the only person um, creating stress in this office, even though she's the most obvious source. Like everyone is used to being embittered because being embittered is how it works. Um, if as long as they're embittered, there's also that like twin, like, but I'm responsible for her. Nothing's ever going to change. What I get out of this is the opportunity to daily vent and blame somebody else for everything that's going wrong in my day. And I need that. Um, so I'm not going to, you know, look for another job or sorry, I don't want to assume that they've never looked for other jobs. And that's actually I'm maybe going too far on that one. But yeah, like the embitterment, embitterment, is that a word? I feel like it is. Embitterization. It could be. Yeah. Whether whether it's just a result of her bad behavior or whether this is something that they're also bringing to the table or whatever, um, that's what they get out of this continued situation. And asking people to stop 
um, sort of draws their attention to the fact that even though it may not be as serious as the way she participates in this fucked up situation, they also participate. And mm-hmm. nobody wants to see that, right? It's, it, like, I never want to think that in my own life. I always want to say, like, no, this person is my problem. Nothing I am doing contributes to the situation at all. If this person were just gone tomorrow, then my life would be perfect. It's hard not to feel like that sometimes. It's easier. Yeah. But negativity only breeds more negativity. So letter writer, as much as you can take yourself out of this conversation, do so. Right. Right. Because certainly complaining to no one Mm -hmm. is not helping. Like she's not there to hear it. They're not saying it's a management. They're sitting around talking amongst themselves. um, And there's just a limit to how much venting with your coworkers can do. Yes. Especially when someone's not even there right now. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you're predicting the future. And I I certainly feel for them. But I also just think there comes a point where venting becomes really, really unhelpful. And this is it. Now I'm thinking back to every job I've ever had (laughs) where all I did was vent and how much that did not help. And yet I did not take my own advice. Well, you didn't have that advice back then. Now you do. Thank you. You're very kind to me. (laughs) Um, All right. We finally got to uh, that. The famed nephew letter. The, the One of the many, many nephew letters that came in this week. Do you know what I feel like it is? Um, is everyone's about to head back off to school in another month. And so everybody who's like been at all involved in paying for their niece's college education is like getting those phone calls from the parents like, what about the boys? Yeah, where's my check? Oh, man. Don't give your family members money. Yeah, no good deed goes unpunished. Subject, I only love my niece. Dear Prudence, my husband and I have no children. This summer, we offered to financially help my niece go to school in the fall. If she kept her grades up, we promised we would pay back her loans. Now, both my sisters are upset with us because we didn't offer the same thing to their sons. Two have felony convictions, and one has three children by three different women. My nephews are what happens when spoiling turns rancid. All the chances in the world, and they do nothing with them. My sister has custody of two of my nephew's children while her son can't keep a job. My other sister managed to raise a pair of drug addicts and my overachieving niece. Neither of my sisters will hold their adult sons to any sort of standard. This has become a problem because now it's negatively affecting my niece. Her brothers and mother are giving her grief over daring to be successful. And her godmother, my other sister, is whining about the cost of having to raise toddlers at the age of 50. My niece will call me crying, begging me to help out her family while putting down her own needs. She struggled with suicide ideation while she was in middle school, and I worry. My husband and I both agreed that we would not throw our money into a pit. My nephews have never expressed any desire to get sober or back on the straight and narrow. My sisters are all codependent, narcissistic messes. My niece is the only worthwhile one in the bunch. We love her and do not want to add to more of the pressure. So what do we do here? Ugh. Yeah, this is a real bear. Yeah, I, w- I want to throw out that I like the phrase when spoiled turns rancid, but that's just about the only part of this letter that I like. Yeah, it's a, you know, part of what really complicates the situation is the fact that there are apparently at least two toddlers right now um, who, you know, it is not their fault at all that their father is... Uh, unable or unwilling to do right by them. Um, so while I I totally understand and respect the letter writer's decision to like kind of limit the financial um, support they're willing to give the the rest of their family, um, I do think it might be helpful even even if only in 
in in your heart to to remember that what your sister is doing is raising two toddlers Mm -hmm. at 50 Um, and she's not doing it because it's fun she's doing it because they're her grandchildren and her son is either you know locked up or using such that he can't do it so I, i i understand why she's complaining that's that's terrifying yeah and even if their parents haven't come to the best end. It sounds like since they are so young, you could look at this as an opportunity to influence them positively and make sure that they don't turn out to be like their father or even like their grandmother, um, since she seems to have some qualities that you're not so fond of. Yeah. And, that, you know, certainly that doesn't mean you have to step in and help raise them if if you're just not able to keep that kind of contact with your sister. But, um, it, you know, if nothing else, I, I, I don't know what her whining about the cost looks like. I don't know if her whining about the cost is like, this is a real hassle and I'm inconvenienced by it. Or if it's like, I can't afford to buy diapers this month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just say, if it has anything to do with just basic needs of the children getting met, I would encourage you to at least reconsider like setting up a monthly like delivery of diapers or making sure that there's food in the house. Um, again, that may not be the case. If she's just like, oh, I hate having to buy all these extra baby clothes, then that's not a problem you have to concern yourself with. But um, so so that's not the question that you asked, though. So so that aside, the question is, can I just support my niece and not my nephews? Sure. And then how do I how do I do that without getting pushback? It would be nice if this is a really simple one because you've gotten some letters in the past where it'll be like, our children are bickering over how we're dividing our money. And the great answer is go on vacation and mm-hmm. don't bother them. But yeah, it, stop giving them money. Yeah, but it seems really unfortunate that they're putting this pressure on your niece because it sounds like she's really having a hard time. So it's not as simple as telling them to shut up and be grateful yeah. because they're putting all of that frustration that you're not willing to deal with onto her. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's really hard for your niece right now is that because she has a closer relationship with you, her mother and her aunt have been applying a ton of pressure to her to um, use that relationship to get money for them. Um, And I think there's two things you need to do there. One is talk to your niece and tell her as calmly as you can, because she's getting thrown in the middle of a lot of stuff here, that you are so sorry she's being put in this position that you love and support her, that you are here if she ever needs to talk, and that you are not going to be giving her mother or her aunt any money. Um, So if they are putting that pressure on her, um, tell her at the very least, like, relieve yourself of the burden that you might be able to talk me around, because it's just not going to happen. So don't feel like you have to try to do that. You know, I'm 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 paying back your college loans. If you keep your grades up, that's it. I'm not you know, you're not writing her a check and worrying that she's going to cash it and give it to her mom. Like, that's the offer you've made. That's it. And then I think you need to talk to your sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you just need to make it really clear. You know, I, I am happy to help fund a completed education. That's it. If any of your sons were about to finish college and they had kept their grades up, we could have a conversation about parity there, but they're not. Um, and that's not something I'm willing to fund. So, Yeah, and putting extra emphasis with your niece, both that 
you're not she's not going to be able to talk you around and that it's not her responsibility. Right. Sounds like she's old enough that you could have a somewhat tempered but frank conversation with her about why you're helping her out and mm-hmm. not helping out what I assume are her brothers. Yeah. 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 Because if she's in college, she probably has some idea of you know, the things that her siblings have done. And you can articulate to her that you appreciate everything she's doing. And that's why you're helping her. And you don't feel the same otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so just to say, like, uh, and and don't, you know, don't go into, and here's what I think of your sons. Mm-hmm. Or here's how I think you should be treating them. Because I just think that's going to be a waste of your time and energy. Yeah. You don't need to say that they're spoiled, turn rancid to her, anything, but just like, I'm interested in paying for your education. They are not currently in that situation. It's not your responsibility to make sure that I am giving money to your mother or to your aunt. Your responsibility is to go to student, go to student, go to school and to worry about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And and just to your sisters, to make it really clear uh, this is the only thing that I'm interested in offering. It hurts my, you know, it it hurts me deeply that you have responded to my generosity with demands for more. Um, I sure hope you stop, because if yeah. you don't, you know, at some point it's it's going to be impossible for us, you know. And don't say this like an ultimatum, but at a certain point, if they don't let it go, you need to say like, "Hey, I've made it clear where I'm coming from on this one. I'm not going to keep having this conversation. I will cut it short." And I don't want you to continue. Forcing your daughter to talk to me about helping out your family and be prepared for the fact that if they're not the most logical and responsive people, that might not stop. In which case, just be sure to offer your niece a safe space for her to be aside from that kind of family drama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you already consider her to be the only worthwhile member of your family. My guess is um, this is the kind of family situation where five years from now, the only one that you talk to is your niece. Maybe they'll kind of get it together. That would be ideal. And I think that having these conversations as neutrally as possible and while making as few value judgments about the possibility of any of your nephew's eventual redemption as possible, um, just because I think while that would feel good in the short term, um, it would only poison your relationship um, faster than it needs to be poisoned. Mm -hmm. um, And it wouldn't actually feel good in the long run. Um, Especially if you want to continue being there for your niece, because they're always going to be her family as they are yours. And she probably already has a pretty complex relationship with them. It it sounds like she's in an incredibly difficult situation. And I I don't know if you're familiar with the expression like crabs in a bucket. I am not. I I don't know. It's a great visual. It is. It is. It has something to do with this idea of, hang on, I I actually need to look this up because (laughs) I just realized, like, I just know that people use it to refer to family members who get angry at other family members for doing well. Um, oh, yeah. So it's essentially like it's kind of like the frogs in a boiling pot thing. Um, my uh, my my producer just texted me barrel question <laughs> mark. Um, but apparently it's crabs in a bucket or barrel or basket or pot. Whatever you decided to put the crabs in. Crabs in a container. In a um, container. Yeah, but it basically just is, is, I don't know if crabs actually do this. This is probably like frogs in a pot of boiling water sort of situation where it doesn't actually happen in real life. But Shut up. It's an illustration. Um, uh, So basically, a bunch of crabs are in a pot. Um, One, you know, if they worked hard together, they could probably all escape. But they all freak out so much that if one starts to climb out, they grab it and, like, drag it back in. Oh, they totally do that. Yeah. You ever been to a Ranch 99? 
the mm. Chinese market. I have not bought crabs from them, no. Well, they have big vats of, of crabs. And if you, like, grab one of the blue crabs, all the others grab onto its legs. And you just end up with this barrel of monkeys chain of crabs. There you go. I mean, we've got confirmation right there. Yeah, but basically the idea is um, if we're not doing well, you cannot do well. Mm-hmm. We won't allow it. Um, we will find a way to make it a failing on your part and make you feel bad about it. And like, how dare you turn on your family? Um, and I don't think it's always the most useful expression because I think in some ways it can sometimes be used to sort of blame people for their own um, bad fortune or for being like victims of, um, you know, an unjust society. Um, but I do think in this case, there's definitely a sense of like, if you are doing well, it highlights all the ways in which our sons have made bad choices. And we don't want to hold them responsible for those things. So it's actually a problem that you're doing well. And you need to stop. And I think that's 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 got to be really painful for your niece to, to have to live with. And I'm really sorry. And I hope that you can kind of remind her she's not doing anything wrong by going to college. She's not taking anything away from anybody else. That money was never going to go to your nephews, even mm-hmm. if she couldn't go to college. Like... She is not pulling away resources from them. Yeah. And be sure to explore that idea that we talked about earlier in terms of your sister not being able to pay for raising two toddlers. Because I could also see a situation in which part of your niece's stress, if it is the case that they can't pay for diapers, is feeling like, well, I'm spending money on an advanced education when somebody else isn't getting basic necessities. So if that is an issue, you know, think about ways in which you might be able to help with that. Yeah. And then again, in the, and again, in that case, like, Of course, you don't have to do that, but I think it would be good to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would encourage you to and then think through, you know, what are ways that you could make sure that you were not giving money to your sisters that would likely go um, to things that weren't the kids. Yeah. So ways to send like, you know, baby food, diapers, baby clothes directly to the house. Amazon. Amazon for everything. It is a terrible company, but um, it does deliver things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and again, you can answer that question better. But yeah, figure out if you want to or are able to help the toddlers. What are things toddlers need and adults can't use? Mm-hmm. Or resell. Yeah. Diapers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to resell diapers. Um, and limit that contact. That sounds like a healthy idea. Um Man, it just just big, bad, messy families and siblings are the theme of the day. And another. Yeah. This one, unfortunately, seems to follow a theme of letters you get, the mistaken adding to a group chat or a text or something. Oh, yeah. I, I have not done this, I think, since college where I mistakenly texted somebody. Um, and it was not at all on this level. It was about somebody I had a crush on, which was definitely highly embarrassing. But ultimately, <laughs> at least it wasn't unkind. Um, but I definitely think about this a lot now. Would you read this letter? I would. Subject. At last, the truth. Dear Prudence, my brother works nights as a bartender and my sister-in-law works retail in the morning. No one can find or afford daycare in our area. I have watched my nephews every weekend since they were born. They are five and three now. I did this so my brother and his wife could have some time to themselves and keep their marriage going. My sister-in-law and I don't see eye to eye, but I always considered us kind of close, if only because of the adversity that we have faced together. We both lost a parent in the same year. She accidentally added me to a group chat to her sisters and totally torched me. She considers me self-righteous and bitchy. I act like I am a mother instead of an evolutionary mistake. I am asexual. It was like someone dumped cold water on me. 
Her sisters get glowing praise for showing up for my nephew's birthday, while I get shredded for getting chocolate rather than white cupcakes. I texted my sister-in-law, thanks for telling me the truth finally. I've gotten no response. I am still structuring my schedule around my daycare duties. I am pissed off and more worried I will blow everything up if I tell my brother. He has had conflict with his in-laws, and I know he will not stand to see me insulted like this. I don't know what to do. As much as I love my nephews, I do not want to make nice with their two-faced mother. I rearrange my life to help my family. She doesn't consider me to be part of her family. I can't sweep this under a rug. Help. At least this one has, I think, a really clear way forward. It does. This is not hard. I mean, it's painful, but it's not hard. It is. Uh, Stop rearranging your schedule to take care of your brother and sister-in-law's children. Yeah, this is not a situation where, like, the kids are going to be in a dangerous situation. If you don't, you've been doing this for five years Mm -hmm. every weekend. And it's just so they can have date nights. Knock, you don't have to do that for another second. Don't do it this weekend. It's Monday. Make some plans for this Friday night, even if it's just watch TV and flip through a magazine. Yeah. A weekend is not at all a necessity for them. They can still go to their jobs. They can still make a living without that weekend. And I would even say go ahead and tell your brother. Uh, if he is going to not stand to see you insulted like this, that's because you don't deserve to yeah. be insulted like this. Yes. Oh, that's very good. Yes. So tell him. I think it's totally a fair thing to mention. And whatever happens, happens. Yep. And just, you know, I I think lay it out there really neutrally. Just Mm -hmm. say like, hey, I'm not available to babysit the kids this weekend. I will not be available regularly going forward. The kids are great. Nothing to do with the kids. It has to do with my relationship with your wife. Um, She copied me on this text thread. Here's what she sent me. Mm-hmm. And show it to him um, just so he gets to see exactly what she said and then say the thing on top of that that makes it really difficult is I contacted her to let her know I'd seen it. She hasn't apologized. Like that's that's the killer part here. She like this is mortifying for her. She should be begging your forgiveness mm-hmm. um, and seriously reconsidering the way that she conducts herself in her personal life. And her response has just been like. Yeah, I bet you're going to keep looking after the kids so I don't have to do shit here. Yeah. And it sounds like there's probably a history of her really taking you for granted and not being very considerate if she's lauding her sisters for minimal efforts and then berating you for relatively small things that are still a lot of kindness on your part to be getting cupcakes for their birthdays in the first place. Yeah. And like making a dig about your asexuality in a way that suggests you shouldn't be alive. That's like... So beyond being mean about cupcakes, that is deeply dehumanizing and phobic and cruel. Um, and I'm so sorry. And and I just you you got to tell your brother uh, you got to stop babysitting the kids. I, I'm, I'm not saying you can never see the kids again. I'm sure you love the kids. Like, obviously, you know, you will be able to continue having a relationship with the kids. Uh, not obviously. Obviously, you can if yeah. you want to. Do but. it because you want to hang out with the kids, not because you want to do something nice for your sister-in-law. And if you need to take a little break, that's okay. Like, um, what you just experienced was horrible. And, you know, I, I worry even that, like, part of the reason you haven't told your brother yet is because you're also worried that he, you know, you say that you don't think he'll stand to see you insulted like this. But apparently for the last five years... He's been kind of fine when you get shredded for getting the wrong kind of cupcakes. Um, I I don't know how much she's been able to hide that from him, but I'd be surprised if he had never, ever, ever seen 
That's very true. Treat you that way. And so part of what I I guess part of what I mean by that is don't let him off the hook. Like, don't make her the only villain. Like, he is also the parent of those two children. He is also her partner. He has also participated, even if it's totally passively and trying to make himself out to be the good cop um, in the way that they, you know, instrumentalize, manipulate, kind of exploit and dismiss you. Yeah. And in that vein, don't let him convince you that maybe it's not a big deal. Like if he tries to defend her, there is a big gap between someone saying like, oh, someone else is telling me how to parent and Mm -hmm. calling someone an evolutionary mistake. That's not just about parenting. That's a big moral and character. Yeah, this is a this is a line in the sand moment. Mm -hmm. This is not ordinary venting that you could maybe get past in a couple of weeks. This is this is big. And and were she to abjectly and with mortification come to you and say, like, I am taking the following steps to, you know, reorient how I think about and treat people. I was so wrong to call you that. I've identified the ways in which I was wrong. Here are some things that I'm going to be doing in the future to, uh, you know, check my behavior. Um, And I understand if you don't forgive me, but I just want you to know I'm deeply sorry and I will not treat people like this again. Even then, if you were like, I appreciate that and I don't want to talk to you, that would make a lot of sense. But for her to follow this all up with like, no, I'm good. That just suggests that she actually feels fine that she said that. And she wanted you to know that. And she believes that she can still get you to, you know, take care of her kids on the weekend so she can have date nights, even after you know that she thinks this about you. And that makes me so mad. I just, (sighs) I I hope that this causes a huge problem in their marriage. That would be good. It would. It it would be redeeming for the brother in my mind now that I'm thinking about like, you're right. There's no way that it's been going on for five years and he hasn't noticed something unpleasant. Yeah, so. I hope this is a wake up call for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to say, like, I, I feel bad for her kids that they're being raised by the kind of mother who thinks that an asexual person is an evolutionary mistake. But good enough to babysit your children every week. Like, man, this woman is awful. You know, you say no one can find or afford daycare in our area. I'm sure it's difficult. It's also just not your problem. They will figure it out. And they're getting to an age where they're going to be going to school anyway. It is not make or break for them. So Because it's still just the weekends, right? Yeah. There's not school on the weekends. (laughs) So if they have to spend more date nights with their own children, they'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. They can have a movie night in or something. But either way, you take a vacation, treat yourself well for a little while, tell your brother, and then don't worry about it. Yeah. You were being extremely kind and extremely generous for a long time. Yeah. Um, Don't sweep this under the rug. Take all the time in the world. Um, Draw a real big line in the sand with her. Um, Feel free to have no contact with her. Um, uh, Tell your brother that like tell him how badly this hurt you um, and and take a lot of space. And when you see the kids, you don't have to make nice to their mother. Um, all you have to do is not, you know, cuss her out in public. Like that's I think that should be the bar of your behavior towards her is like, am I maintaining at least the bare minimum of like icy neutrality? And if, as long as you're clearing that bar, you're fine. As long as you don't hit her the next time you see her <laughs> um, or call her, you know, unprintable words, you're good. I second that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. You do not owe this woman friendliness. Um, she Or cupcakes. Or cupcakes. Oh, man. She gets no more cupcakes from you. Never. This woman never gets another cupcake from you as long as you live. Um, I hope you spend the next, like, 52 weekends only doing stuff you love. 
and that brings you delight and joy. And that has nothing to do with helping your brother and his wife. Absolutely. Um, And I hope your brother is very upset when he sees this. I hope that it causes a serious problem in their marriage. And I hope she turns her life around and this haunts her. Like, I hope she becomes a really good person who often has a feeling in the pit of her stomach like, oh, man, I cannot believe that I said that about someone who did me nothing but good. Better go back to the soup kitchen tomorrow. You know, just. Yeah. And that she steps on a Lego every day. Yeah. That she doesn't repent her actions. Oh, man. I just. You will not. I mean, yeah. Don't worry about blowing things up. Blow things up. Um, Take care of yourself. And um, yeah, I hope those Legos are plentiful and underfoot. And then, man, I just cannot imagine seeing that text message. That is just as cruel as cruel gets. Um, Yeah, this isn't the situation like the previous letter where like, you know, be positive as much as you... No, don't. No, yeah. Blow it up. She's terrible. Yep. No, she she has forfeited her right to a friendly relationship with you. Um, And all you have to do is, you know, not hurt her. Um, you don't have to be friendly. Okay, so uh, swinging back to the other side of the pendulum, uh, this is somebody who I think does have to be friendly. Or at least if they decide they can't be, um, figure it out. But the subject line of this is simply the straight X. Dear Prudence, my boyfriend got married and had a son with his high school girlfriend. They divorced after he came out. They both lost their families when she refused to condemn him for being gay. My boyfriend gave his ex away at her wedding and is the godfather to her daughters. He was beside her when she buried her husband. They've been ride or die for over 20 years. I can't compete. I don't like her. She's flighty and foolish, and I can't get rid of her. Holidays rotate between my boyfriend's house and hers. All kids call him dad or uncle. She seems to like me, and I can't keep counting down the minutes until I can get rid of her. What the hell do I do here? My boyfriend talks about marriage, but I am not ready to play gay grandpa at his ex's place for another holiday. Am I crazy here? So usually, by the way, if somebody uses the word crazy, I try to edit it out um, because I think it is kind of unnecessarily um, demonizing of like the word crazy and ideas we have about mental illnesses. Part of the reason I left that line in here is because I felt like it was indicative of a certain mindset that this person has. And uh, I'm still kind of feeling my way through it. I don't know that I always want to leave um, bad language in just because I want to make it clear where I think a letter writer is coming from. But the question, am I wrong here? Uh, are my expectations unreasonable? Am I the bad guy? Like, I think that's the underlying question. And I can answer that one categorically. Yes, you know. Like, very big yes. You are the the mean stepmom from the parent trap. Yeah, it's very, oh, it's very unpleasant. There's so many wonderful things here about the relationship that she refused to condemn him to her family when they divorced, that, you know, they're still close enough that he gave her away at his wedding, that their kids have a great, or her kids have a great relationship with him. And you, the letter writer says twice, get rid of her. It's kind of terrifying that they're using that language so frequently. Yeah, well, and the implication is, and you do I see this sometimes from people who are dating somebody who has a co-parenting relationship or like a long-standing family relationship with an ex, which is sort of like this idea that, well, when the kids turn 18, then I can like pry them away and we can end this. And it's just like 
in a family with a mostly good, positive relationship, people don't age out, you know? Yeah. People, people don't say, like, well, I'm 18 now. You're no longer my father. Yeah, I don't need your company for any major life events in the future. Yeah, I'm at college. I have no need of uncles. Yes. Get out. Um, that's not going to happen. So this whole, like, uh, you know, maybe when the kids are older, it'll just be the two of us fantasy. I think it will be useful for you to let that fantasy go. Let it go and maybe get some therapy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. There's something here I think you should explore there, that that level of jealousy and discomfort is a little disconcerting. Especially when it's like they have been like part of each other's lives since high school. Like they they have a child together. He was with her when her husband died. Like they could not be more intertwined. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you seem to think that on some level there's at least a chance you can pull him away from her is like not just detached from reality, but also really cruel. Yeah, there's a real intimacy issue going on in here because it's also compounded by the fact that she's not a threat sexually to you. You don't seem to think that he's going to leave you for her. Yeah. So it's all about the fact that they're close. And I think you could explore why if you want to stay with him, because the alternative is, of course, if you can't handle this breakup. Um, But if you want to stay with him, maybe explore some of those feelings with somebody else, because I don't think you should be putting it on your partner that you hate his very, very close friend. The mother of his child. Yes. (laughs) The woman who became his family when they were both disowned by theirs. That you walk down the aisle at her wedding. and She's his family. That's not ever going to change. Like, you just need to let that one go right now. There's the sort of like the accusation of flighty and foolish. But you don't give any details about that. All the details are like the big, sturdy ways in which they have buttressed one another's lives. She actually doesn't sound flighty at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mm. I'm sure she can have moments of flight. uh, But in terms of how she has treated your boyfriend, she sounds remarkably consistent Mm -hmm. and reliable and wise and loving. So, uh, you know, even if she has like just a personality you cannot stand The question then needs to be, um, can I picture if I stay with this guy, can I picture spending the rest of my life with this woman as part of my family? Because that's what you're going to get. And your your boyfriend's already always been clear and upfront about that. You have not this has not been hidden from you. This is not a surprise. This was not like thrown at you after six years of being together. Can you handle it? And if the answer is no, get out now. Yeah. Walk away. Get out. And you know, acknowledge that you are basically going to have to share him. Like, it, private time with just the two of you is fantastic. But when somebody has kids, when they have a lot of family members, usually the holidays are spent together. So, you know, acknowledge that you are probably going to have to continue to play gay grandpa, as you call it. Yeah, and it, it won't be playing gay grandpa. That will be your place in the relationship. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's going to be grandparent. Uh, if these kids have kids, you will be his partner. That will be your role. If you can't do it, break up. Um, And if this guy is, you know, you actually don't say that you love him. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe you do. I mean, I I don't want to, like, I just, like, you don't say, like, I love him so much I can't stand the thought of losing him. You say, I can't wait to get rid of her. So one way to get rid of her is um, leave. Yeah. 
And keep in mind that, you know, when we say to if you can't keep doing it, if you can't put up with it, that doesn't mean sitting and seething at all family holidays while glaring at her. Like you Mm. have to be willing to make an actual effort to have a positive relationship. And if that's just beyond you, you'll probably do both of you a favor to move on. Date somebody without kids. Date somebody who doesn't like their family. Like those people exist. Find a guy who has no kids. Um, Date him. Um, but if you do really, really love him and you do want to try, then I think you need to give him an edited version of what you gave us. This is not a situation that calls for total honesty. Um, at least not with him. You need to save that for a therapist, which again, if you're going to stay with him, get a therapist and be brutally honest with that therapist about how much you dislike this woman, um, and ways that you want to figure out how am I going to deal with my sometimes irrational dislike of her? Um, And what are ways in which I can have a productive relationship? Yeah. And when framing that conversation with your partner, make it more about what this is doing to you as opposed to her. The fact that you are feeling really insecure, you know, it's irrational, but working that with him, not saying that she's flighty and foolish and you wish she wasn't around. Yeah. Yeah. It is okay to share with him. Like sometimes I have a hard time with your relationship Mm -hmm. with her. Um, And sometimes there's just ways in which it's difficult for me to... um, accept that this is a package deal. Um, And, you know, you guys may be able to have a real conversation there and he may be able to be useful to you. And um, it's not totally unreasonable to say, like, occasionally I want to spend a holiday with my family. Um, And even if he feels like he needs to spend all his holidays with his kids, um, if you guys occasionally spend a holiday separately, that's fine. Um, But if you don't want to try to do that, if you don't want to compromise, if you cannot envision a life where she's at least some part of it for the next 20, 30 years, break up with him and date a guy with no kids. Do not become anybody's like evil step parent. Absolutely. That's not fun. I know everyone's kind of talking about how fun and stylish the evil stepmom was from the parent (laughs) trap online right now. And that's all well and good. She's a very beautiful lady and very great outfits. Um, but, but she also ate a lizard and was floating in the middle of the lake. Yeah. And you don't want to be that person. No. In real life, that is not a good look. No. Um, please do not become an evil step-parent. Kim, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for having me. It was fantastic. And um, I feel like I learned a lot about nieces and nephews today. I did, too. I'm going to be on the lookout for that now. Yeah. I, if I ever get a niece, I tell you what, I'm just going to set up a college fund right away and just assume. No, I will not assume. I will not assume <laughs> that other family members will, will be jerks. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll hope for the best, but prepare myself for just a situation like what all these letters have described. Nephews, watch yourself. Yeah. If, if, if you are a boy with an aunt or an uncle, check yourself. All right, Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Dear Prudence. Our producer is Max Jacobs. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to Slate.com slash Dear Prudence to subscribe. And remember, you can always hear more Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to Slate.com slash PrudyPod to sign up. If you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327 and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location, and at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short, 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening.
guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.